The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the 21st chapter. Jesus said to the people, listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard, put a fence around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. Then he leased it to tenants and went to another country. When the harvest time had come, he sent his slaves to the tenants to collect the produce. But the tenants seized his slaves and beat one, killed another, and stoned another. Again, he sent other slaves, more than the first, and they treated them in the same way. Finally, he sent his son to them, saying, they will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and get his inheritance. So they seized him, threw him out of the vineyard, and killed him. Now, when the owner of the vineyard comes, Jesus asked, what will he do to those tenants? They said to him, he will put those wretches to a miserable death and lease the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the produce at harvest time. Jesus said to them, have you never read the scriptures? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And this was the Lord's doing. And it is amazing in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people that produces the fruits of the kingdom. The one who falls on the stone will be broken to pieces, and it will crush anyone on whom it falls. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they realized that he was speaking about them. They wanted to arrest him, but they feared the crowds because they regarded him as a prophet. The Gospel of the Lord. We have just heard the reading of the Ten Commandments from the Old Testament book of Exodus, which is the assigned reading for today. Coincidentally, or perhaps more likely providentially, on Thursday morning, a group gathered here at St. Philip the Deacon to explore part one of Luther's small catechism, which is the Ten Commandments. Let's remember together that the commandments were given by God to Moses on Mount Sinai, and let's also remember that they were given to a people who had just been delivered from bondage or captivity into freedom. Remember, they were slaves in Egypt, and when God delivered them, he did so in a most dramatic and unforgettable manner. Again, coincidentally, or more likely providentially, just yesterday morning, a group of children and their parents gathered here to prepare for their first communion. And we told that dramatic story of delivery from bondage into freedom, which begins with the battle between the Pharaoh and God and includes the 10 plagues and ends with the parting of the Red Sea and the safe crossing of the Israelites and the drowning of the entire Egyptian army. The story is both dramatic and unforgettable, 
And it is no wonder that among others, DeMille and DreamWorks brought it to life on the big screen in the films, The Ten Commandments and the animated Prince of Egypt. What happened on the other side of that dramatic rescue is where our reading from Exodus begins. God gathered this newly freed people at Mount Sinai and there, He established a covenant relationship with them that included the Ten Commandments. This is important. What happened at Mount Sinai was much, much more than the giving of Ten Commandments. What happened there was that God, the creator of all that is, established a covenant relationship with the people, and it began like this. God said, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. The nine other commandments follow. The pattern of the covenant is simple but important. Notice that it is not an if-then proposition, as in, if you do these things, or if you refrain from these things, then I will be your God. But rather, it is a because therefore relationship, as in, because I, the Lord your God, have made you, protected, preserved, and provided for you, brought you out of bondage in the land of Egypt, rescued you, therefore, you shall have no other gods before me. The because, therefore, makes it crystal clear that our obedience and faithfulness to the commandments is not a requirement to be in relationship with our God, nor is it a set of standards or merits to earn our way into heaven. But rather, it is from the very beginning and always will be a response to what God has already done for us. In other words, when someone gives you a gift, it's polite to say, Thank you. Our obedience to the commands, then, is what thank you looks like. Our practice of living faithful to the commandments puts hands and feet and voices on thank you, making us to be servants of one another, extending us beyond ourselves for the sake of one another, and making us into the people God designed us to be. Besides being an expression of thank you, the commandments serve a further purpose, namely providing order, security, and safety for life lived in the wilderness. When we talk about what the Israelites were doing in the wilderness, we always say the same thing. I'm going to give you a line, I'm going to leave a hole in the middle, and I'm going to ask you to fill it in. The Israelites were blanking in the wilderness. The Israelites were wandering. Everybody says wandering. The brand new curriculum that we are using in our Thursday morning class begins chapter one with, when the Israelites were wandering in the wilderness, let me make this very clear. They did not wander. There was no wandering. They were led. They were led by a pillar of smoke by day and they were led by a pillar of fire by night. They were not left in the wilderness to wander about aimlessly alone and unguided. I don't know how we miss that. In fact, they were led every single step of the way, every single day. 
So the greatest challenge then for life in the wilderness was for God's people to learn how to live life led. They had to learn how to trust God. They had to learn how to follow the Lord. They had to learn how to acknowledge their dependency on God and on God alone. You understand this became a lifelong practice, a practice that was begun in the wilderness on their way to the promised land. The parallels between the Israelites of the Old Testament and us today are startling. We too were once in bondage and could not free ourselves, but in the waters of baptism, we were rescued by God who brought us out of bondage and into freedom. We too were rescued in a dramatic and unforgettable manner. Jesus, the Son of God, went to the cross bearing all of our sins so that we might be free once and for all. We too are living our lives in the wilderness where we are not wandering, but we are led every single day, every step of the way by our good God. We too are daily learning to live life led. And we too are on our way to the promised land, our home for eternity at the throne of God. In a little book called Luther's Prayers, Luther recommends that the Ten Commandments be meditated on regularly. In a section called A Plain Form in Which a Person Should Meditate on the Ten Commandments, he writes, I make a four-strand wreath of every commandment. Accordingly, I consider each commandment as follows. One, as a precept, which it is in itself, and I take to heart what our Lord earnestly asks of me. Two, I make it an occasion for thanksgiving. Three, a confession. And finally, four, a prayer. At each of the commandments, Luther's practice sounds like this. A thoughtful consideration of what the commandment asks, followed by a simple prayer of thanksgiving, as in, I thank you, Lord, for your protection, followed by a confession, as in, with sorrow and regret, I confess my sin, and concluded with a simple prayer for help, like, I ask for help and strength to become devout and to keep your commandments. At that class on Thursday that I mentioned, we were talking about each person's experience with the catechism and several expressed the painfully familiar, I had to memorize the catechism in confirmation, and then I had to be examined by the pastor, or I had to recite it in front of the whole congregation. And then one person shared this gem. She explained that she didn't grow up Lutheran, so the catechism was not familiar to her. And then she went on to talk about its beauty and simplicity and the great value and benefit she was receiving from reading it. This is an important reminder for those of us who may have come to take this little book for granted. It's an important reminder that a thoughtful and regular study and reading of the chief parts of our faith the Ten Commandments, the Apostles' Creed, the Lord's Prayer, will indeed serve as a lamp to our feet and a light to our path, as we, who once were in bondage to sin but who are now freed by the blood of Jesus Christ, daily learn to live life led in the wilderness on our way to the promised land of eternity.
In the name of Jesus, amen.